0: Good morning. Would you rise for the reading of God's Word? We are reading out of Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Good morning, Calvary. Perhaps some of us thought without Gerald we wouldn't even make it to week three, but here week three is, and we still have a church, so we're doing all right, yeah? We're doing all right. I want to, before we get into the sermon this morning, just have a handful of housekeeping items just to kind of go through that I think are important that I'd like to just, you know, just kind of talk through. First of all, uh, just continued thank you for uh, Chris Hauser's leadership with the worship ministry. Um, he's seen a lot of seasons and <laughs> changes, you know, over the last year and a half, almost two years, and just super thankful for his uh, leadership in all of this, and also uh, Ayanda, his willingness to come be with us this summer. He will, uh, be with us kind of in the back half of each month. Um, so it was t- the original plan was the last two Sundays of the month. And then I ambitiously realized that May and August have five Sundays. So I said, Ayanda, what do you think about the th- back three Sundays for those months? <laughs> All right, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> so uh, super thankful, Ayanda, for your willingness to be with us this summer. Uh, during Gerald's sabbatical uh, and the continued leadership of Chris. yeah, I feel super thankful uh, for the leadership we're having in worship. That's one thing. Second thing I want to cover this morning is, as many of you are aware, CDC has made some meaningful changes about those who've been vaccinated as it relates to masks. Um, And so I just wanted to let you know that we are absolutely going to be evaluating all that information I think it came out on Friday, and so in, I had the choice to like dive deep into that or finish my sermon, so I decided to finish my sermon. Um, and you guys graciously are giving us a little bit of time just to process that, so we'll be talking with the medical council that we have, our elders are meeting this week, and so we have opportunity to connect with a lot of people and try to make a good decision on what we think is gonna be best moving forward. Let me just maybe state the obvious, is that not everyone that is watching on live stream or sitting in our sanctuary this morning will agree on what to do. And it's easy just to say, well, if you just have the right information, then we would all agree. Unfortunately, that's not going to probably be the case either. In things like this, it's not less than the best information we can access but it's more than the best information we can access, okay? So we're gonna access the best information we can, but then there's wisdom, and there's people, and there's fear, and there's frustration in everyone's hearts around this. And so we will take the best information we can, maybe we'll be missing some, I don't know. Hopefully, we can get the best information we can, but then after that we have wisdom decisions to make, and the decision will be made as best as we can I think we even said this from like the very first video that we put out uh, when we went to shelter in place is that we're gonna do our best to consider everyone's needs and try to make the best decision for us as a church family uh, moving forward so just wanted to let you know that that is on our radar that's two I got two more the preaching plan for the summer just as a heads up um, so uh, I've done these first couple in a row just in transition, but then we will be going through. We have a sweet opportunity for a lot of our staff to, to preach also, and so it'll it'll basically be a rotation of myself, uh, Manfred, and uh, John, and then Pastor Eric will actually pick up kind of the bulk of it for June and, and July. So super thankful uh, that Pastor Eric is able to to take that space. It was definitely not something I wanted to. Take the bulk of all of that. So, uh, super thankful for all of them to help um, through the summer months. And then we also have, actually, next week, um, we have our elder chair, Andy Brandt, uh, will be preaching next week. And so excited to have him join us in the preaching rotation while Cheryl is on sabbatical also. So, just wanted to give you a heads up, it'll be kind of a rotation uh, throughout the summer. Last one Pentecost is coming upon us, the season of Pentecost. Uh, we have gone through various um, good years and bad years. Uh, bad years, maybe the wrong way of saying it. Of trying to really genuinely celebrate the liturgical year simply as it is an opportunity to relive the story of Jesus year after year. That's the beauty of Advent to Pentecost, right? Is the opportunity to let the life of Jesus shape our time and our seasons. And so we've worked really hard year after year to try to do more and more of that. Um, And this year, we have, I think, has done as good a job as we've ever done, and so we're kind of going into the Pentecost season, wanting to continue the liturgical story, Um, and so next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, as you know, and so we have some ideas and plans to help us as we all, as a church family, celebrate the season of Pentecost. Uh, First thing I'll say is you can go to our website, calvarymemorial.com backslash Acts, like the book of Acts. and you can find some resources there uh, as a way to kind of celebrate the season of Pentecost. One of the main things we're gonna be doing now, we're starting the book of Acts this morning, and it's actually gonna take us all the way through October until we get into the missions month in November. And so we put together, uh, Caroline Whitman has helped me put together kind of a really simple reading plan to read through the book of Acts between now and then. And it's not gonna be just reading, there's actually on the website, there's uh, a resource called Streetlights, where they read the Bible, Um, and so you can listen to it some days, or you can read, so we'll just basically do a chapter a week. Some weeks, just because of the preaching schedule, might be two or three chapters, but essentially we're going to basically take, maybe let's say average one and a half, (laughs) one and a half chapters a week between now all the way through October to just read through the book of Acts together as a church family. And so uh, as a way of uh, kind of leaning into the season of Pentecost and into what we call ordinary time. And so really excited about that. One other thing we're going to be doing during the season of Pentecost is one of the beauties of Pentecost we'll hear more about um, in the coming two weeks um, is that the, the season of Pentecost is really about the spirit of God empowering us all for mission, work. In the world and so all of you are in your variety of responsibilities from Monday through Saturday and that's what you live in day in and day out and that's where you're living out God's calling in your life wherever that domain is and so Caroline Whitman and I and also Ray Paul we uh, did an initial podcast on just kind of thinking about the role of the Holy Spirit and and ways that understandings of the Spirit that really enhanced our understanding um, but what we want to do now is, is under this title called "Good Work." We want to doing a podcast series of just interviewing a number of you guys about what you do with your Monday through Saturday. Um, and just hearing about what you do for work, how you got into that field of work, and on and on. And so I think those will just be a sweet opportunity for you to, again, connect with people in our congregation. And, and maybe some some of you just are like, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And we're probably not going to answer all those questions for you solve all those problems. But just a community of people laboring together to think about our, our vocation and calling, I think is a great thing to do during Pentecost. And that will actually... Lead into June, we're going to do these kind of backyard gatherings to just feel the conversation. Anyone and everyone will be invited. Uh, Right now, we'll have two locations. If we need more, we can get more Uh, to just talk through each other's like calling and what it means to really feel spirit empowered in your day to day lives. So, all right, that's that's it for now. Let's get to the sermon. But I thought those were all important things for us just as a church family and just wanted to kind of share that. So, let me pray. And we'll get into our our text this morning. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the space this morning to sing together, to gather together, to pray together, to confess together, and to approach your word together. And so I just pray that as each and every one of us leave here today that we will leave refreshed in our passion to know and follow you give us understanding as we look at your word we pray this in jesus name amen all right we are now as i just said earlier in the book of acts and so it's exciting to start kind of a new new book and we are looking specifically at the ascension of jesus this morning And one of the things i want to do just kind of right from the outset and and really spend the bulk of our time this morning is thinking about this idea of what does the ascension have to do with the good news what does the ascension have to do with the gospel i think probably a lot of us when we think of the gospel initially we appropriately so go to the cross and so we have phrases that are super powerful for all of us, and that is Jesus died for our sins, right? That is a super powerful, and in many ways, that phrase, even in Scripture, uh, Jesus dying for our sins, is kind of a banner waving over all that God is doing in the world, and then there's a beautiful phrase, and I know, as I was reflecting on the sermon, um, even this morning, I was thinking, I am really, really glad that Jesus died for my sins. <laughs> I have a, a, a list of them, a whole a whole. Bunch, And so I am so thankful for the part of the gospel that includes that Jesus died for my sins. But what I want to explore this morning is, I wonder how many of us, when we think of the gospel or the good news, we think, well, well yes, of course, Jesus ascended into heaven. We probably don't immediately go to that, right? That yes, I believe in the good news. Let me tell you the gospel. Let me tell you the good news. Jesus disappeared into the clouds. We don't think of that necessarily as part of the gospel. But what I think is kind of beautiful in what Luke is doing, because as we know, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And in this one, two-volume work, we have an opportunity to see that the story of the good news is that through Jesus, God is bringing his kingdom to heal the world. Not just through the cross, though that is an absolutely essential part, but through the entire life of Jesus, God is bringing his kingdom to heal the world. You remember our series banner over all of this is the story of the Bible and the healing of the world. And so what I would like to do this morning is really reflect most of our time on how does the ascension fit with the good news? And what I want to see today is that the ascension of Jesus his in a sense disappearing into the clouds is actually an essential component to understanding the gospel, to understanding the good news. And there's a simple, actually, word uh, that Luke says right in the beginning that kind of gives us a clue that the story of the gospel includes more than just one or two moments within Jesus' life, no matter how profound they are. Right in the very beginning, he says, in this, in the first book, O Theophilus, and Theophilus, uh, again, a lot of people didn't think a lot of different things about who he is. Um, my best thought is that he probably funded the space for Luke to have to do all this writing and to do the writing and research that would be taken to write his gospel and the book of Acts. And so maybe he's the benefactor of the project. O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So in his first one, in volume one, I told you about all that Jesus began to do and teach which clues us into what? That I am now going to write to you about all that Jesus is going to continue to do, right? And so we see the work of Jesus, the good news around Jesus is that he began to do something that's recorded for us in the Gospel of Luke. But now we also have from Luke recorded what Jesus continued to do. So we see Jesus working in the Gospel of Luke on earth, and in Acts, we see Jesus working from heaven through his own spirit. And so this gives us this understanding and this framework that the good news is not only going to encompass just what Jesus began to do, but the good news is going to encompass what Jesus continued to do. So again, one more time. My main point this morning is that the ascension of Jesus is an essential component to the good news of Jesus. I know in the past, I probably would have thought of the Ascension as just another kind of of miraculous, mysterious, historical moment in the life of Jesus. But I don't know that I would have really attached it to the news, the good news that we need. And so that's what we want to explore again this morning. So what is this full-packaged gospel, this full-packaged good news? First of all, why do we even need good news? Why do we need the gospel? While we are currently, and have been for many, many, many years, in the context of death, right? Like no matter what kind of choices we make, no matter how many successes or failures we have, in this life, we have this impending reality that is so painful and so disorienting to our experience in this world, and that is death. I only have seen death in its process once. We had two dogs when we were first married up in Michigan, and one of them got hit uh, by a car and uh, ran after a rabbit, went out, got hit by a car, and then kind of went back to the backyard. And so I'm kind of chasing, trying to figure it out. Um, and I, I just so you can sympathize with me, it was a hit and run, so I was, I was pretty angry. <laughs> I was pretty angry about this. And uh, went to the backyard, and still breathing, and just to see the like gaze just go. And it was so disorienting. And I just remember telling my wife, like. Uh, and we, we have a dog now also, and uh, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't just be so off on this, but I'm just like, I think it was the next day or maybe the next week, I'm just like, it just has like put me off, like just the whole sense of loss. I know it's just a dog, but dogs are pretty awesome. And, uh, and I was just like, I just feel so off just seeing the life taken, right? And this is our situation that humanity, our, our lives are not guaranteed in this first life to not experience death, right? Well, one one thing we are guaranteed is death. And sin, we bring, through sin, we oftentimes bring death sooner than it needs to come, even, right? And so there is so much evil in the world around us and evil in ourselves, but that's not how it started. Like, we can't forget that it all started so good, And even within the narrative, what I love about the creation narrative is that over and over, it was good. It was good. It was good. Every contribution of creation as God's beautifully architecting and designing this world, it's good. It's good. It's very, very good at the end. And so it's hard for me to imagine... That the solution that the creator God would come up with would be anything other than what takes place in creation. Right? So we, we have this world of sin and death. We know that's not how it started. How can we fix this problem of sin and death? The creator, consistent with his saying that the creation was very good, made a plan that was going to take place in creation itself to fix creation. That is what's so beautiful about this now ongoing story of the entire Bible that brings us to the ascension is the good news is that God assumes flesh, the Son of God assumes flesh to become like us in every respect. That's what the writer of Hebrews says, is that Jesus became like us in every respect. Because the path toward healing of the world necessarily is going to take place within the creation itself. And so the Son of God says, I'll become human. I'll become like them in every respect. And so now we see the launching of this good news. This is now the good news. Where does the good news start? So think of the creation scene of it was good, it was good, it was good, and then it is very good. And now imagine this new creation seed being planted in the womb of Mary. And now we have a new set of it is good statements. So in creation, you have it is good, it is good, it is good, and it falls, it's broken. It needs to be fixed. And so God plants into the creation itself, into Mary, this new seed of it is good statements. But not just it is good, It is good. It needs to be actually news because it needs to affect all of us, not just for Jesus, but for the entire world, offered to the entire world because God so loves the world. So God plants this beginning new creation into the womb of Mary. That's why the angels told Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and his reign, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. It is good news that the Son of God was planted into the womb of Mary. And when Jesus was born, The angels told the shepherds, you remember the scene? I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people because unto you is born this day a Savior who is Jesus. It is good news that Jesus was born. We see the developing gospel story. Jesus we know then did many, many amazing things. As John, as we ended last week's sermon, more than you could even contain in a book. But one of the pretty significant things he did was he brought someone back from the dead. And so he said, after he brought someone back from the dead, Jesus said about himself, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives, and believes in me shall never die. It is good news that Jesus lived and performed miracles. It is good. The death of Jesus. Paul says for us, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But... God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is good news that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, born into our world, taught and did miracles and died for us. The resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, so that's everyone here today, if you haven't yet, or listening on the live stream, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is good news that Jesus was brought back from the dead. but we have one more statement to say that it was very good. All of that was very good because Jesus told his disciples, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. In reference to his ascension. The ascension of Jesus is the final statement of The good news, it is very good. It is good news that we now have a leader, king, savior that will establish a kingdom in creation of perfect justice and righteousness. And part of this process is for him to first go away. But the ascension is a statement of the kingship of Jesus. A Jesus only conceived is not good enough news. An infant born being Jesus is not good enough news. A miracle-working Jesus is not good enough news. Just the sacrificial death of Jesus is not good enough news. Just a resurrected Jesus is not good enough news. Otherwise, Lazarus could have been good enough. We don't need just anyone conceived and born and lived and died and resurrected. Not just anyone. We need in order for our world to be fully healed of all the death and sin that we experience. We need the Son of God to be conceived and born and love perfectly and perfectly humble and die for us and be resurrected and then ascended to the throne, to the right hand of God, to properly and fully execute justice and righteousness forevermore. This is the good news The ascension is not just another moment in the life of Jesus, but it is the statement that he is the one true king that can once and for all do away with our greatest enemy, death. To my original point, in order to see the full beauty of the gospel, we have to see the ascension of Jesus in that gospel story. Now let me make one caveat before we look at a few other things. You don't need to say everything that's possibly truthful about the gospel to talk about the gospel, right? Paul, in Acts, as we will see, when he was, when he was with a bunch of people that hardly believed what he would say in a living creator God, he simply said, I bring you the good news That there is a living creator God. And the narrative, just a few verses later, ends. And you're like, well, and and the, the term good news is used in there. And you're like, well, Paul, you only said that there's a living creator God. How is that really good news? You didn't tell them about Jesus' death and resurrection, let alone ascension. We don't have to say everything that can possibly be said in order to say the gospel. That's why you can say banner phrases like Jesus died for your sins and you can be united to Jesus in just the trust of that. And so there are all of these, as we break it apart, beautiful moments of the gospel story that we can attach to that can be a way for God to unite us to himself as we repent of our sins. But as we begin to unpack the whole gospel story, we need to see like a diamond turning it and seeing it shine at every angle, the beauty of the diamond that is the gospel, that we need the full life of Jesus. We don't want just a regular resurrected man that doesn't have the authority to execute justice. Remember, the Garden of Eden is where we want it to be. We don't want to be out of context of creation. God is determined To fix the created order as we see even in Romans 8. And that means that there's going to be a king on the throne to execute justice and righteousness. Now some of us looking at some other biblical texts may be thinking, how does this really fit? I mean, I only see a few times where the Ascension is talked about. I'm not going to read through. I actually had intention to and then this morning I'm like, yeah, there's no way I have time to do all this. There are so many texts, if we really have eyes to see language of lifted up or raised up throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that are in reference to the ascension of Jesus. It is thoroughly infused in the gospel story that this is an essential part to the full good news, the full gospel. Even our, just looking at uh, one of them, even at our, one of our more famous texts around Good Friday, we oftentimes will read Isaiah 52, starting in verse 13, down to 53, 12. And this is where we get the famous, um, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. So where we get all that. At the beginning of this section in 52, 13, how does it start? Behold, my servant shall act wisely. Reference to Jesus he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. There it is for us in our Good Friday text that the goal is an exalted ruling Jesus, right? And then you have actually prior to that, another very well-known text in Isaiah, the beginning of Isaiah 52 in verse seven, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God died for you? No, we do get that, though, the next chapter. But this right here says your God reigns. This is the good news, that the reign of Jesus is the goal. And so we see in Daniel 7, I won't take time to go there, Daniel 7, you see the same thing, this lifted up son of man. For seeing Jesus, Jesus' ascension back to be with his Father. If you have, look at Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, and then even our Philippians, I'll look at Philippians really quick. Another well known text in Philippians 2, where it talks about have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not call equality with God a thing to be grasped. Emptied himself and talks about being found in human form, humbled even to the point of death on a cross. All right, and then what does this huge change in this text? Jesus humble went to the cross, and then verse nine: Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the hope of the ascension. It's there. It's been there the whole time. just need to have eyes to see how crucial the ascension is to the gospel story. Lastly, going back to Acts, and looking at what does this, now we see like the location of the ascension within the gospel narrative. But in closing now, what is the location of the ascension to you and me? How do we fit into this story about the ascension? Well, it's interesting is in looking at Acts, look at the interaction that Jesus had with his disciples, they asked him this question right before his ascension. So they said, so, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Many of us oftentimes can think Jesus was kind of maybe annoyed with that question, like you still don't get it. (laughs) Or sometimes we interpret that as, question as, it's only in the near future, so stop worrying, or excuse me, yeah, in the far future, don't worry about that now, and you're asking the wrong question. But I don't really think that's actually what's going on. Unless... Jesus, for 40 days in a row, just continued to be less than clear about the kingdom of God. (laughs) Because we have here in our text that he was speaking to them, appearing to them in verse 3, during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Jesus had access for a range of 40 days to his disciples to teach them about the kingdom of God. And I would like to think that they don't immediately just totally get it wrong. I think instead they're questioned what Jesus says when he says, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. I think that answer reflects not that they asked the wrong question per se, but simply you're on to something. In fact, the kingdom of God has already been birthed and is growing. You're actually asking an interesting question, but don't worry about the way it's all going to work out in timing and sequence. Don't worry about when the final consummation of the kingdom of God and the new creation comes to this world. Because actually something's going to happen really quick here. That's going to activate your responsibility really, really fast. And so I actually think they're probably asking the right question. All after Jesus' inception, birth, life, death, resurrection. 40 days of talking about the kingdom of God post-resurrection They're on to something that something now should be happening. And he's like, you're right. Don't worry about the timing of it all, because I'm about to send you the Spirit. And you're about to get really busy. And you are going to be, this is why we have the language of the body of Christ. The body of Christ in the world. The location where God puts himself into the world is those who are united to his son. And I saw. I actually think they got the question, you know, fundamentally right. Jesus is just saying, you have plenty to do right now because I'm about to send you the spirit. Don't worry about all the timings and when everything happens in the sequencing. I think the idea is that you can't worry about the timing of the full restoration because it is about to begin in you And you have a very important role now because, as we will see in the next chapter, you will receive power through the Holy Spirit, and you will be witnesses. Remember, blessed are those who do not see but still believe. You are to be witnesses into the world in Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And that ends of the earth phrase is so fascinating if we have ears to still hear the creation story. Be fruitful, multiply, and what? Fill the earth. This is the renewed Eden commission. We needed Jesus. Do you remember the one royal priest, the final royal priest that will empower other royal priests by his spirit. Where Adam and Eve failed, Jesus succeeded and gives us the life of his success, the spirit. And once again, we have the command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with the love of Jesus. But what's so beautiful about this Sometimes as human beings, as we see in the whole narrative of the Lord of the Rings, right, as soon as we get power, we typically don't do well with it. And all of a sudden we attach ourselves to the power and authority Jesus, but not the Lamb Jesus. And so then we think our influence in the world is through power and authority, but how did Jesus execute his power and authority? It wasn't, as I said last week, constantly grabbing for it, but giving it up. That is our calling in the world, is to share the love of Jesus, and at the same time giving up of the power and authority to love others this is our calling. If Eden is ever going to reach the ends of the earth, it is going to not be through physical Jesus going from town to town and village to village. He really meant it when he said, it's better that I go. It's to your advantage that I go. Because if I go, the absence of me means the presence of my spirit in all of you simultaneously at once, no matter where you're at. And now my love, my humility that I showed you in the world, you have the opportunity to execute everywhere. That is our calling as the body of Christ is to be priests. Our royalty is executed in priestly fashion to share the hope and the love of Jesus. Everyone, everyone wants the world healed. Everyone wants to see the world healed. As Christians who follow the gospel story as told in scripture, believe that it's only through Jesus that the world that we all want healed can be such healed. Last thing I had, and this was just a super random thought as I was preparing this at the end. As we go to the Bible, we can often go to this gospel story. As we go to the story of the Bible, we can oftentimes look to just create systems. Like, we have these ideas, and we have to create systems, and we see the lens of the Bible through our systems. Systems are super important, because you have to ask questions of life and culture, right? like what is sin and then you create an idea of system of ideas around what is sin from scripture but that is developed out of something else first or sometimes we go to the bible because we know we're bad and we want to be good and so we try to find morals in the bible we can find morals in the bible but that's we don't not the lens through which we go into scripture it's the result of something else as we go into the bible just simply go with the simple desire to see how God is going to heal the world through Jesus. We enter the Bible as a story and as participants in the story. And from that, hopefully we create helpful systems and helpful ethical ideas. All of that comes. But as we go to the Bible, as you, I hope, join us in reading through the book of Acts, Just go to see the story of God at work through Jesus and let the other things then develop. The ascension of Jesus is a crucial part of the gospel story. Jesus, the reigning Jesus, is the only one in all of terra firma (laughs) that can fix this creation. The creation that we, fixed creation that we all groan and long for. As Paul says, what a beautiful analogy. Paul talks about the, the groan of creation, of the process of pregnancy. As the way we all long for new life and new beginnings. And it's there for us if we believe and follow Jesus. Come what may. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for, as Mark said, the eyes of mercy. What a beautiful picture that you see us through the lens of mercy. If it were any other way, we fear what would be the result. But because of your mercy, because you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, we can have happen to us what happened to Jesus. That's why, Father, you say to us, humble yourselves before your mighty hand and you will exalt us.
0: It is in that hope that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.